This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, this weekend I want to focus on our second reading, which is taken from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. You know, Paul loved the church in Corinth. He stayed quite a time in Corinth and wrote, as far as we know, two letters. He might have written more, but we have two letters, and they're both magnificent documents. We know them as one and two Corinthians, but think of them as uh, letters that Paul wrote to this beloved community, which he um, had founded and established. Well, our um, reading today is from the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, so it's toward the end of the letter. Paul's been talking about these extraordinary revelations he's received. Now, keep in mind, this is the same Paul who received a vision of the Lord Jesus uh, himself. You know, So go back to the experience on the road to Damascus when he encounters Christ. But then several other places in the Acts of the Apostles and the letters of Paul, there are references to mystical experiences, revelations, visitations from the Lord. He tells us in 2 Corinthians about an extraordinary one when he's caught up into what he calls the third heaven. He says, was I in my body or not? I don't know. What's he talking about there? Well, look at the mystical tradition in the Catholic Church. Look at uh, figures such as uh, St. Francis, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Teresa of Avila. St. Bernadette in the 19th century, but a lot of people who have indeed had these extraordinary encounters with the Lord, being brought up, if you want, into a higher level of experience and consciousness. But here's the thing. It's true of these mystics I mentioned, and it's eminently true of Paul. They don't want to draw our attention primarily to these extraordinary moments. As great as they are, they're much more interested In drawing attention to weakness, listen now to Paul. That I, Paul, might not become too elated because of the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan, to beat me, to keep me from getting too elated. Extraordinary, isn't it? A thorn in the flesh. What's he talking about? Well, scholars have speculated over the centuries about this. Some say it was a physical ailment, Paul's bad eyesight. Think about that for a second in the, in the you know, period before eyeglasses and contact lenses. Imagine, I mean, people like myself, I, I wear glasses and I, I need them to survive, to, to see distance, to read. Imagine now in the era long before glasses, people with bad eyesight were really at a, at a disadvantage. Was it Paul's speech impediment? There's some hint of that in the tradition that Paul, the great preacher, who was called upon to proclaim, actually had a speech impediment, a stammer or something. Think of Moses, you know, uh, in the tradition is, is seen as having that kind of impediment. I was just watching a, uh, a rerun of the King's Speech the other night, you know, that great movie about um, 
the king who has the stammer. Well, was that Paul's thorn in the flesh? Who knows? Was it some chronic physical suffering? You know, again, in the age before uh, modern medicine, a lot of people had chronic physical problems. Was that what Paul's talking about? Who knows? Who knows? The point, I think, is this. He's clearly not talking about some little passing problem, not some little difficulty of the moment. He's talking about some steady, difficult, painful experience, physical, psychological, spiritual. We don't know. But he says it was given to him to keep him from getting too elated. Then this, three times I begged the Lord that it might leave me. Now, three times here doesn't mean literally three times. Like he just asked three times and that was it. It's a kind of Semiticism that means over and over and over. Repeatedly asked over and again, Lord, take this away from me. Now, listen. Every single person right now listening to me has a thorn in the flesh. Something. Again, I don't mean passing little problem. I mean something physical, psychological, spiritual that just gnaws at you. That great image of the thorn in the flesh. It's just stuck in there like a, like a stone in your shoe that just bothers you consistently. I don't know what it is. You know what it is, though, as you listen to these words. You know what it is. And I bet, like Paul, three times, meaning over and over and over again, you've asked the Lord to take that away from you. Everyone's in this boat with Paul. Everyone knows what this is about. So listen to the answer he gets from the Lord. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. My grace, one of Paul's favorite words, charis in his Greek. Unmerited love. The unmerited love of God is sufficient for you. Now see what's being said here. It's very important, friends. Is no matter what the suffering is, physical, psychological, I don't know what it is, whatever it is, God's grace is sufficient. Meaning now, if you are connected to God, to the deepest source of life and being and meaning, then anything can, in principle, be endured. You know, a great place to look here is um, Viktor Frankl's still, still classic, very readable book called Man's Search for Meaning. Frankl, of course, was a, a Auschwitz a concentration camp inmate, someone who went through one of the worst sufferings human beings can go through. And yet, even there, found meaning. In other words, meaning is not a function of success or a function of of evanescent pleasure. Meaning is something found when one is connected to God. And therefore, any suffering can be overcome, can be endured, can be dealt with. My grace is sufficient for you. But then that little addition, which is so typical of the paradoxical nature of Christianity, for power is made perfect in weakness. 
always say, come on, what does that mean? I mean, who likes weakness? Who advocates weakness or failure or distress or anxiety? Well, Paul says, I preach one thing, Christ and him crucified. Somehow that weakness of the cross is the revelation of the power of God. For power is made perfect in weakness. Now, what sense can we make of this, though? How do we, how do we unpack this? Can I offer three perspectives here on why suffering, why weakness, failure can in fact be power? Here's the first one. Our suffering can force us like nothing else to rely upon God. You know, fellow sinners, we all know this, that the basic problem we face is always some form of egotism. My life my accomplishments, my projects, you get in my way, I'm angry with you, I accomplish what I want, I'm happy. That's the program, right? The problem is I now rest in my own ego. God becomes an afterthought. But then I suffer. Then I fail. Then I come up against the brick wall. Then I'm opposed. Then I'm blocked. What happens now is I am forced in a new way to rely upon God and not upon my own resources. To decenter myself away from the ego and onto God. Look at all the saints now. They say it over and again. Nothing does this more effectively than suffering. Power is made perfect in weakness. Here's a second take on it. And again, with Christ crucified very much in mind. Sometimes suffering, the conscious bearing of suffering, can affect the taking away of sin. Now, listen as Paul goes on in this little passage. He says, Therefore I'm content with insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints. For the sake of Christ. Now, see, there he's not talking primarily about uh, physical suffering. He's talking about suffering that comes to him from the outside. People insult him. They did it all the time. They persecuted him. They did it all the time as Paul was preaching his way around the eastern Mediterranean. They constrained him, yeah, with chains and they put him in prison. He knew about that. But now, Christ crucified in mind. What did Christ do on the cross? He didn't fight evil on its own terms. He didn't answer insult with insult. Didn't answer persecution with persecution. Rather, he took upon himself the sin of the world and thereby took it away. He put a wrench in the works that usually governs human affairs. Violence meets with violence. Uh, Injustice meets with answering injustice, etc., By bearing insult, persecution, constraint, he took away the sin of the world. So we, his followers, so we who are conformed to his body, we can unleash power precisely through our suffering. Here's the last one, friends, and it's the most mysterious, and I don't pretend to be able to explain this clearly. 
But Charles Williams, the great uh, apologist, talked about the principle of coherence as a basic Christian idea. He means that we exist in each other. We're not separate islands, but we exist in each other. There's a co-implication, a co-inherence in our being. The mystical body of Christ, of course, is this idea. But now apply it here. Is it possible, Williams wonders, that some suffering that I am bearing is actually taking away the suffering of somebody else in the mystical body? You know I'm driving at? That my suffering now is alleviating someone else's suffering. Or that right now in the mystical body, someone in prayer is accepting his or her suffering so that I don't have to suffer. Now, can I explain the physics of that, the metaphysics of that? Not really. I can't. But we bear each other's burdens. And our suffering, listen to what Paul says, for the sake of Christ might be a way of alleviating the pain and suffering of somebody else. Paul concludes this section, For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's my weakness, in other words, my suffering, that thorn in my flesh, that allows the strength and power of God to surge into me, and indeed through me into the world. Friends, spend some time today with this 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians and this magnificent lyrical passage when the great St. Paul does not boast of his extraordinary revelations, but instead boasts of, rejoices in his weakness because power is made perfect precisely in weakness. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.